soon as I put time off of work that the deadline was just going to be a dud. How, how how do we go from the big trades of like Philip Heronic and stuff like that to John Klingberg going at the, the final minute for a fourth round pick? Buzzer beater. The buzzer. That's literally what I have in my notes. This is buzzer. <laughs> this is at the buzzer. Uh, I um, love that. Yeah, it was uh, kind of a dud of a day. I'm not going to lie. The I mean, the the week prior, I mean, that was NBA territory of fun. That's for sure. Yeah, that is for sure. But uh, yeah, welcome to another episode of the Production Line Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And this episode, we'll be recapping the 2023 NHL trade deadline and more specifically what the Red Wings did with their moves. And Phil Peronik, uh really definitely really started some fun stuff. Maybe not so much fun stuff with the first move, but it was an expected move. I think we just get right into it with Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah. Uh, um, on a scale of like one to ten, like how much did your heart drop at about nine ten on Thursday morning? Truthfully, it wasn't like right when it happened because I was expecting it that day and I was ready, kind of braced for it. It was more so like late in the day and then the next day I was just like wrenched. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty upset, not gonna lie. It was weird. I felt more weirder weird about that one than the Heronic one. I'm not gonna lie, I was a little excited about the Heronic one, simply just because the, the return was insane. Yeah. Um otherwise like sitting on it more, I'm I have more conversation to add to it. But um the Bertuzzi one I felt weird. And maybe it's especially because I work with a bunch of Bruins fans. So them constantly rubbing it in my face that they took one of our better players. So that didn't that wasn't great. That's never fun. That wasn't fun. No, I miss being a buyer. You know what? I do kind of do I say it? Like, do I miss like buying uh the corpse of Eric Cole? Maybe a little <laughs> stop, bit. Stop it. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe not like maybe not the last couple of years of the Red Wings trade deadlines, but you know earlier on when they had some fun that's for sure i just remember like end of the era and the ken holland era deadlines those were those were never good yeah you knew something was going wrong that day i know not to get off topic but merrick zidlicky was my favorite acquisition of all time though i'd have to bar none bar none and that's all i thought you could shoot he was bar nothing from the point amazing might be the best red ring in all time history could be up for debate um, but no, yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi traded the Boston Bruins for a 2024 protected uh, first round pick, and then a f- and then a fourth round pick because you know that really put it over the edge. Yeah, that was the most important part of that deal. Red Wings also retain um 50 of Bertuzzi's contract, which is important. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that the Bruins ended up being the team, but after Taylor Hall and Nick Felino went down, they had the space and they're in totally go for it year. Um, as a whole, though, what do you how do you feel on the deal? Maybe both sides, like analyze it from both sides. To be honest, I actually thought it was a really good deal from both sides. I think Bertuzzi, it, it kind of fits their mold of like we're gonna be in your face and we're gonna just do whatever it takes to win. Um, and quite frankly, as much as I hate the Bruins, I think that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. For the Red Wings, I thought also it was a pretty good deal. I think you get 
quite a bit of value, which you're not sure about his value early on in the season, especially with all the injuries. The most important thing to me is it's a 2024 first round pick rather than a 2023 because their future is really uncertain when it comes to like who's going to be back next year besides like Pasternak and Marchand and McAvoy. Like you have that core, but for like Bergeron and Krejci, I mean, they can reasonably take a decline next year. And I'm not saying they're not going to make the playoffs, but because they will. But like, let's say it can be a first round bump. And that pick is like high, high teens or low 20s rather than this, the 2023 pick being like, 30, 32. Yeah, right now it's looking 32. Like, that's like a 10-pick increase, and you already have two first-round picks this year. So, I mean, the return was pretty solid. I personally, yeah, I'm with you. I think, like, if I could grade it out, both would get A's, both sides. Um, Getting the Reddings to retain half, 50%, I mean, that was going to be a given on a UFA that makes that much money, but and then um, him being able to slot in wherever in the lineup. I know during uh, Bertuzzi's debut, he also played on the Krejci Pasternak line for a little bit because Montgomery was just trying things at this point of the year. Yeah, and that could be a lot of fun. That Probably would be the a best. Lot of fun. It's the be- easily the best line he's been on in his career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that could, that could be really interesting. I mean, he set up Trent Frederick with a nice with a nice uh, assist on on Saturday. Yeah, so that was, was kind sweet. Of cool. It was sweet. It was weird. Weird seeing him. I loved how um how viral his his knob went. Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, I I knew like I I started noticing it like during this year, but I was like, I don't know. I never really made a big deal out of it. I I, I just surprised nobody really called him out for like the the slap tape that still has the Red Wing logo on it. Oh, it still had the Red Wing logo on it. Oh yeah, it still has the Red Wing logo on it. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he orders a bunch, and then like it just hasn't come in yet. That's the definition of lazy. <laughs> Oh yeah, they literally he's like they're like, why don't you take the top of your stick? He's like, I don't know, I'm lazy. Which is awesome. I think that was super funny. Yeah, but no, Bertuzzi's definitely he feels like a Boston-esque player. And I know like there's been reports for like it feels like a year now of like the like the Bruins being interested in Bertuzzi. Yeah, it's it, always been like them and the Leafs. Yeah. And I'm really and I'm really like uh um Pierre LeBrun's article came out today and he said the Bruins outbid the Carolina Hurricanes. Interesting. Which is, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised that the Hurricanes would also be in and on that, but uh, it is interesting that like the Bruins stepped up to the plate and offered more a bigger package in the Red Wings' eyes than the Hurricanes because I feel like the Hurricanes have more assets. I feel like they're so stingy every year at the deadline. Like they're they scared are. to make a big splash. They are. I know they have the rule with like the UFA thing, which I kind of get, but again, I don't know. The Bruins are totally like going for it, and I respect it. And from the Red Wings' perspective, again, I do. The 2024 pick in my was was big, was Agreed. huge. Um, yeah, and the I I agree that like I still think they make the playoffs next year, but without right now the clear the center situation is is super interesting in Boston. In theory, if Bergeron and Krejci both leave, you're looking at Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka being your two centers, which is a huge step down. I'm not saying like it ultimately sends them over because they still have Pasta. They still have DeBrusque, who's a good player. Marshan's a great player. Their back end of Hamas Lindholm and McAvoy is insane. 
doesn't even matter yeah. who else plays behind him. They're still a good enough team. And also Lainus Allmark, who's going to win the Vesna this year. He's fine. Yeah, he's okay. So I, they're still in a great position in that way, but um, the, it could be a step down. Like like you said, if maybe like they're they're a wild card team, which like you said is like an 18 stop stop. So I like I like it from that sense. And I mean, I, yeah, I don't think it's gonna be a top 10 pick that that's gonna push to um, unprotected 2025. But that would be awesome. Yeah, if it if it ended up being an unprotected 2025, but. No, I think overall for a UFA, which is um, aside from Tarasenko, Bertuzzi is the only UFA to fetch a first round pick. Yeah, which is which is pretty good. And again, I don't think like, man, him coming off of the couple surgeries, like I don't think if you would ask me that two months ago, I wouldn't have been sure that he would got a first round pick. I wouldn't have thought so. No, and he, I mean, his play really dictated it. He started playing really well down the stretch, and I think that really helped push the cause and the Red Wings are also playing meaningful games, which definitely helped. Um, but no, it's gonna be tough. It's a tough loss. I mean, regardless of the picks right now, I and mean, we'll talk about um more so the Red Wings future um with Eisman's press conference and the way he views things. Um but the the Red Wings currently without Bertuzzi, they look lackluster. They do. They look lost. He was a big piece in that locker room. And, I mean, you could tell, obviously, Dylan Larkin's heartfelt press conference, which I couldn't even get through because it was pretty emotional. And I felt awful for the guy who was just – he just got on the stand to talk about his eight-year contract extension. He'd be a Red Wing for life. And, of course, like, right away he has to talk about his best friend being traded away. Yeah. Definitely a tough one. But, no, Bertuzzi being out, it was very evident – not so much. I don't think like the start of the first game against Seattle was kind of like that, but then like the last two were you really felt it of not really having that fight. Yeah. Um, I know maybe part of that's also Michael Rasmussen because I think he was a huge engine as well. And of of course, like I mean, I don't think we really, we didn't really we didn't have this update after. And I'm kind of adding it in now, but Rasmussen looks sounds like he might be out the rest of the year, which is a tough loss, especially for a guy who's having a career season. And would have likely been playing a huge role at this point in the season. Not that he already yeah, wasn't. Yeah, he's like he could, also a gigantic loss in terms of like physicality, um, bringing energy, penalty kill, as well. Also flexibility. Like if you needed a guy to play center, because right now if my center goes down, like what's going on there? Yeah, probably plug in Fabry, and he's been one of the worst forwards the last stretch of game. Yeah, so. It'll be interesting, and we'll talk about that more like later in the episode about like Lalonde and the how the current roster construction looks like. But no, Bertuzzi right now leaves it leaves a giant hole. But and Eisman admitted it on the Bally broadcast. He hinted at it before, but he admitted it to Mickey Redman last night that Bert, they didn't feel as if Bertuzzi was going to resign. So therefore, you compare where the Reddings are, we're in the race, and those two losses, Ottawa tough ones and they really killed their percentages because Ottawa's soaring right now. They look like a really good team. And you add that in with a guy who's not going to resign. It's not worth it to keep him. Nope. So as as shrewd as it may seem, like or not rude, not shrewd. Shrewd to be a good way. It's rude maybe rude maybe that one works. There you go. You had to had to be shrewd with it. There you effort, go. Effort was there. Effort was there. Mine's not there. It's Monday. Dash that's one. not that's not much much of an excuse. But hey, we're here. Um. Yeah. So that one that happened, and then 
the Jacob Rana happened immediately Friday morning. I think I just like kind of like started rolling out of bed. I was getting ready. I was about to, I was actually going to head to the gym and then I changed my mind because I cranked out a quick article and yeah, Jacob Rana traded. It was a 2020, was a 2025 seventh and yeah. Dylan McLaughlin. And then the Red Wings retained 50% on the salary. Um, So it, it was widely reported for a long time that the Red Wings and Verona's relationship was already, was already toast. Um, the way they were deploying him in the lineup, even with like, like the Red Wings' lack of scoring, they still didn't find a spot from the top six, yeah, or a spot from regularly. So it was pretty evident that it just didn't wasn't going to work here, and they connected. Steve Eisman just called his best friend up, Doug Armstrong. Yeah, no kidding. Who he exclusively does deals with, it seems like. So I found that really funny and poetic. But obviously, like, it's hard to grade the trade. Like, I'm not going to grade it because obviously the Red Wings lose in value. But it, it just seemed like there was a need. Both sides, I admit admitted, like, both sides needed to cut bait. I think the quote, he wasn't willing to talk about what happened. It's a private thing. I think it was Helene St. James that asked him about it. And he was just going to leave it at that. And he just wished Jacob the best. So uh, I'm going to do the same. I'm I'm excited to see him get a bigger role in St. Louis and what he does. And ultimately, like I'm just glad it's over. Yeah, for sure. Move on from it. I know it's not it probably wasn't a fun situation for either party. And Doug Armstrong, while he making a big bet, he also does the Red Wings a favor in the sense of going from I don't know, money difference isn't big, but the buyout is huge. Like if the Red Wings were gonna make a buyout this summer then that cap would be also on not next seasons, but the season after as well. Or versus yeah. this year, you retain this year and you have it on for next year when you still have guys like Raymond and Cider who are on ELCs. So it's not as big of a hit. If you factor in 3.3, like whatever, I think it might've been like two something with the buyout in the, would have been the 2024, 25 season. You'd have Raymond Cider. Um, I feel like there's someone else. Bergeron. As well. Bergeron. I'll come off ELCs. Yeah. Excuse me. So definitely um, I think I like it. Uh, I mean, I like it for the blues more, but I get the Red Wings and I think they did pretty well being able to move it out. I I don't know if you, I I did send it in the Twitter chat today with uh, uh, Verona getting a chance with um, Shannon Shannon Kapanen. Yeah. That team, which is, it's an interesting line for sure. Yeah. That team's lost right now, too. They're lost as well. They had a big... I mean, I like the Blues sell-off, too, honestly. I thought they handled the deadline extremely well. I think so. They got great value back for O'Reilly. Tarasenko, I felt, was a little light, but I get it. He was UFA. So, I mean, looking back on it more, I think I take back some of my comments on it. Yes, they did get a first-round pick for a pending UFA. Uh, the Barbashev deal, they got Zach Dean, who's a good prospect. Zach Dean's a, I don't know how they pulled out Zach Dean for Barbashev. It was good I work. Was, I thought that was a little much from Vegas. Barbashev is another pending UFA. That's like a first round pick. It's literally a first round pick back. It is, yeah. They should decide. Uh, a more, and developed, a more developed first round pick. That's what I'm saying. Like For a team that's retooling, that's like a deal you'd want to make. Because exactly. he's sooner to be contributing to your lineup. Yep. So by all means, that's uh yeah, but um that ended that and then 
the rest of the day was pretty quiet. Like in terms of the NHL, Oscar Sundquist was kind of traded at the last minute. Um, a fourth round pick, which honestly is the Vlad Mestikov special. Yeah. Um, defensive specialist gets traded at the deadline and he got the going right to fourth. <laughs> what I did, I did find it significant though, is I still think like, I mean, I guess how do you weigh what's more valuable? A fourth, a, a fourth round pick or a guy who could give you depth while you're still trying to play meaningful games for the rest of the season. And he plays both special teams, whether you think he's good at them or not. That's a tough one. I, I don't have a great answer either way. Personally, um, I understand it from both sides. Yeah, that can be argued either way. I, I I do think it's really valuable, especially when a team's in the playoff race. It's really valuable to keep like keep your players happy, like keep good morale. And Sunquist is kind of a guy that does that. Yeah, I feel like he's kind of a good locker room guy. So that one, I was a little bit. I understand pure value wise. I'm like, yeah, that's fair value. Like, I get it. But in terms, like, in the whole spectrum of what the Red Wings are currently, you would think like, eh, maybe we should keep Sunquist. Like, I can lose him for nothing. Yeah. A fourth round pick doesn't really exactly, you know, l- you know, not gaining a fourth round pick doesn't really make our break or rebuild. Exactly. So I was curious about that. I it was funny that like the Wild trade out Jordan Greenway and then immediately just bring in another big defensive guy. Yeah. Also, Vlad and Veskov also went for a fourth round pick of the deadline again. So that's we, like two, that's we, we two, that's that. two years in a row. Did you know he tied the record for the being traded the most of the NHL trade deadline? No. At this deadline, he tried, tied the NHL record. That is actually awesome. I feel bad a little bit. Like, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of moving. I know. And I think he was happy to be in Tampa too. I think he was too. And I mean, he looks happy with um, Tampa and or not Tampa, Jesus, Winnipeg. And a big thing is with that is I think uh, he got coached by bonus last year with Dallas. Yeah. So I think bonus probably liked him. So I think that's cool. That is cool. And he gets to be with gags again. True. So honestly, probably not the worst spot to end up. I know Winnipeg is in the winter is probably not the, the best, but I hope Winnipeg does good in the playoffs. I do too. I like Winnipeg again. Like they're kind of a team. I kind of root for small market team. Yeah. They're kind of like the little brother in Canada. If you compare it to all the other markets. Yeah. Therefore, I kind of root for them the most because they don't get talked about the most. It's true. So, yeah, I'd like them to have nice things. But easily the weirdest thing from the Red Wings perspective and the whole trade deadline was the JVR situation. At one point, uh, it, it, everyone's wondering where JVR is because he's one of the most reported like guys in the market. He's probably the, the, probably the biggest name. Him and John Klingberg at the deadline. Which, I mean, like six years ago, that would have been kind of a big deal. Now, not as much. Like you're adding depth, basically. And as it as it's going about really close to the deadline, it's reported the Red Wings are trading for JVR. And I audibly say on the as I'm on the inside of the ring live stream, I'm just like, uh huh. Just it does not make any sense. Um, our um our producer is messaging me like to bring it up because we had a lot. I wasn't on my phone. It was like a live chat that would update us on what was going on in the league. And I said, you're, I, like, I literally said like, excuse me, I'm going to have to put the explicit sign. I'm like, are you fucking with me? Cause it just didn't make any sense. Um, but it seemed like it was going to happen. Elliot Friedman reported it and they say it was them and the saddle Kraken. that were the front runners, but then immediately it was Chris Johnston that reported that it wasn't happening. And then Friedman backtracked. Um, Sarah volley. Then all of a sudden t- tweeted JVR is not getting traded. 
Um, super interesting stuff going on there. Yeah. So the report was the deal was contingent on the Red Wings moving out another player. At first, I thought that meant Sunquist, like the Sunquist deal. But now I kind of think it was someone else. And it's definitely not fair to speculate. And I, I'm sure Eisman's not happy with like someone on the roster thinking they were going to get traded. Yeah. And, and then try to play guessing games because like that's not a fun spot to be in. And of course, it's funny enough. The Red Wings play JVR like a couple of days, two days later in Philly. Yeah. Because I thought it was a medical thing at first. I thought it was reported as a medical thing. But then, of course, JVR is healthy and he was playing. So very interesting stuff. Um, I know you you would have been pretty nostalgic about that being a JVR stan. I know he's my favorite, one of my favorite players growing up. I he just loved your... his name. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? If you have an acronym for your name, you're ar- you're already like off to a good start. But not not Trevor Van Riems. Like they're different. Yeah, they're different guys. Yeah, name's not as cool. Now Trevor James just sounds more. It sounds more proper. True. So yeah, uh, I I'm. I guess I kind of understand from the point of like the Red Wings got wiped in a bunch of games at the end of the year last year. So being able to add like if let's say if, J- if you flipped the Oscar Sundquist return for James Van Riemsdyk, I get it. Yeah, he would have he would have he would have helped you guys continue to play meaningful games. And who knows if he popped off like either a trade as UFA rights, which is less likely at, at the the draft or you could look to resign him. As yeah. there's as there's holes and you can always use a power play merchant, which JVR is. And considering a power play on the, on, with the Red Wings, that isn't that great. Could have been well utilized. Yeah. For sure. In the net Especially front knowing spot. that front guy now. Sunquest Amber Tuzi gone. Yeah. And those are the two net front guys. Yep. So that's uh definitely leads to that could have led to some actually, you know, some interesting usage, but doesn't go through. Um definitely very interesting and it's kind of been buried since it hasn't there's not a lot of known to why or what happened i know chuck fletcher said he didn't get an offer until 140 which i don't know why he wasn't working the phones a little more accurate actively he was just kind of like sitting back he was just like you know what they'll come to me and no and one came to him no one came to him he got not booed until 140 at, not until 140 nobody came to him and he was getting booed at his, the town hall event for the philadelphia flyers I didn't that see was that. funny oh my god it was really bad like he came out, they introduced him, Grant, and they booed him. The fans booed. Oh boy! And then John Tortorella said, "Stop booing," and like defended him. So it was a super like tense thing. I I listened to the it was on um, I believe it was on Thirty Two Thoughts today. The okay. clip was the clip was they I think they posted the clip. I think I don't think I heard it anywhere else. It was super interesting. I didn't listen to, int- to, to Thirty Two Thoughts yet. Yeah, they didn't really add anything. They didn't add anything else on the James Van Reeves like thing with Detroit, but that one, that part of the Philly, the Philly Town Hall thing was really interesting. Really interesting. Um, but yeah, so that wrapped up the deadline for Detroit, and after that, immediately the Red Wings announced the signing of Alex Chason, and I can't remember. I'm looking it up right now. Excuse me, this is bad, bad podcasting, but I. Thought I heard someone say it was a one-way deal. It is a one-way I'm, deal. It is a one-way deal. Yeah. It is a one-way deal. Okay. Just verified. Good for him. Um, He's been really good at the Griffins this year in, ter- in coming off of an ATO. Uh, he played all year with Vancouver last year, and he did all right. Like, he's a he's an NHL vet. Like, I think he's good. He's, he's like a 13th, 14th guy in the NHL, I believe. And he gets rewarded for going in and being a good soldier in the NHL and coming up when the Red Wings don't really have a lot of space. Yeah. He's a big he's a big body. 
plays plays power play. Um, actually, has a pretty good wrist shot too. So I, I was I I was it was nice to see him get rewarded. But again, obviously, I I want to see Elmer. Yeah, selfishly. They also signed John Lethman. I think that's how you say it. I could be wrong. Yeah. Ex Michigan State goalie. Um, crazy numbers in the ECHL. I'm pretty sure he's rocking like a nine twenty six. Yeah, him and Kosa lead the league in shutouts. Not bad. Toledo's a wagon. Toledo's a wagon. Yeah, well, they got both their goalies are sick too. Both their goalies are good. They have Kirill Tushayev. They've had Seth Barton, Donovan Sabrango at points, Emil Vero at points. Like they got a they got a pretty deep pool there to work. Tushayev's been really good. Trenton Bliss as well. Shav's like 1.5 points per game right now. It's good for him. It's good stuff. Um, yeah, I know Lethman just got sent back down too. Yep. I I think Co- that. What's Kosa right now? He's like his last last yeah. seven games. He's seven and zero. He's um nine nine six nine save percentage, which is nice. It's decent. Yeah, it's he's starting to he's starting to catch form. Which is super positive for. I mean, he had a super bumpy start to the year, but again, first year pro, he's nineteen years old. It's a big jump for sure, and he was always going to be. He was always touted as being a very raw prospect, mm-hmm. and just patience, which Dude. is why you sign a guy like Vili, you sign Vili Huso, you bring in guys like that on top of him, and you don't force him into things. Yeah. I would like to see him get another try in Grand Rapids again this year, just like a couple of games here or there if like another injury. Like Bradstrom goes down. I would something. say if if there's an injury, I I also think like there's a lot of value in not stunting what's already working for him. I would almost say just let him let him ride out. Like this is probably the best team in the ECHL right now. Uh, one of them. I I yeah. don't know. I can't think. I'm. I can't think of. I mean, inside the rink has a bunch of ECHL coverage, but they're on like right. a ten game heater right now or whatever. Eleven games. Yeah, not bad. Decent. Not bad. Yeah, Alex Nelkovich was also recalled on emergency basis. Um, he got sent back down on Sunday. Billy Huso got like a little dinged up in practice and he wasn't feeling great. And yeah, well, and we'll talk about the games a little bit after. But also Alex Doucette, we forgot to mention him in the last episode. Um, I'm pretty sure he sits second in QMJHL goals. Um, overager, the Red Wings signed a three-year entry level deal. I believe it's a 850. Not that it really matters right now. Um but no, he plays for Halifax Mooseheads, and um, another the Steve Eisman especially has had luck on signing um, uh, undrafted free agents from the QMJHL. Yeah, Yanni Gord. Um, I know, I know Barry Boulay is like not a huge producer in the NHL, but he's played games, which is, I mean, coming from an undrafted player to that is pretty pretty good. Actually, yeah. Barry Barry Boulay was uh, drafted by Anaheim or signed by Anaheim, I think. He That's actually he. Is tied for first in the league with, with goals. Nice. Okay. With Alexei Gendron, Philadelphia prospect. Nice. So yeah, but, he's he's yeah. had a great year. What is he at? Like eighty some points. Ninety seven. <laughs> Nuts. 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 Ninety seven and and sixty. Sixty uh, one. It's pretty good. Yeah. Forty eight goals. Numbers. 48 goals in 61 games. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yes. Yeah, it's a good bet. I like it. Um, he also scored a hat trick immediately after signing, the day after. And the funny video of him trying to put on the the uh, winter hat over yeah, his helmet was, was very really fun. funny. Very funny. 
Halifax just looks like the best place to play junior hockey. Am I wrong? No. Like that'd be such a sick place to play. That would be. Look like the market looks nuts. The arena looks crazy. Um, yeah. Believing the Maritimes as well would be pretty sweet. So definitely a little jealous there. So it'll be curious. I I mean you'll probably slot somewhere in the AHL, ECHL next year, but who knows? I like the bet. All Me I can too. say about it right now. We'll see what happens. And again, he's an overager, so people shouldn't get like too overexcited as he was it wasn't drafted for a reason. But you know, there's the occasional guy that ends up popping off. Yanni Gord is a prime example. And being becoming a pretty pretty good contributor in the NHL. Yeah, he's he's okay. He's okay. He won a couple Stanley Cups. So that brings us to Eisman's press conference. Um post deadline, which which he does all the time. Every every trade deadline. But um I loved how he just started off with like he got he got a question and when asked if he was gonna be a buyer this year at any points, he said nope, not under any circumstances. Tough one. Just right off the bat, you're like, ooh, okay. <laughs> we got a little bit over ahead of ourselves at some points. But uh he also said like he expressed that he had um mixed emotions about pertusing the heroic traits as they were young players, but the return was obviously very good, so tough not to take anything away from that. Um, the Ottawa games as well. He basically said what everyone was saying in the sense of they're pretty much like, all right, I knew what I had to do there, which is yeah. uh, it's a tough way to lose because I know Eisman. I think Eisman was at those games too, which definitely is a that's a tough one for you to be in the building for. Yeah, no kidding. I was also like, kind of going back as well. Like, I was surprised you saw the Philly game. Like, why are you there? Yeah. Like, what are you watching? I don't know. That's what I was. I, I like. I thought about that. Like, I know he like he did the interview with Mickey Redman, but I was really confused as to why. I know. I know they travel quite often, but I guess like at this point of the season, I feel like he would start really ramping out the scouting, getting ready for the amateur amateur draft, like consulting scouts and stuff but who knows you know maybe he was there watching a, a specific player or two on the red wings um but yeah he, he basically just stuck to his point saying how he just believed truly that acquiring assets for the future was the right decision for the team now which i think at this point we can both agree that i think we we're he was right there yeah but uh the assets for the future thing is where i kind of want to like freestyle a little bit and like with you because he also mentions that he wants to kind of, if deals are in place so he can expedite the process, he will look to do them. Now, obviously, we we had big hopes. Like <laughs> right before the deadline, we threw out Nick Schmaltz's name, all that stuff. But uh, he specifically mentioned Billy Huso, which was for a third. Which makes me kind of like, if I look into it a little bit more, I think he's pretty committed on using the two firsts this year. Like he's going to draft it with those two. But it's I would I would say so. I would say if anything, it'd be more toward the Boston first of twenty twenty four. Yeah, I think like I, you have those two first, and like this could be like your last big draft before the right. team's set. I kind of took it as like, okay, look at the seconds. Yeah, three seconds or that. Yeah, I thought like you. He's kind of signaling there, like because he got Huso Huso's rights for a third. If you're able to, I, I know the UFA market's not great this year, so you'd be looking at like I like I always kind of look at like the Victor Arvidsson deal, 
is kind of like something I like would love to the Red Wings to kind of look at stuff like that. I mean, right now you have a huge, you got a big hole on your right side of the D that needs to be addressed. Whether that be a guy who can play the left and right or vice versa, because I mean, right now Ben Schrott's not not really doing it for me. Yeah, nor is Gus Lindstrom. So that would at least one of those guys is knocked out. Uh, Robert Hag's also playing the right at times too, or Osterly. All those guys probably not NHL guys aside from Sherratt, of course. Um, I wonder if there's something there for like a younger defenseman. I know, like that's like an expiring defenseman, or like not even necessarily like expiring. Because again, like. I think the Arvidsson deal when they when LA traded Nashville traded him from Nashville, um, I'm pretty sure like three or four years left. Yeah, I think maybe like a Carlo again. I I I'm stuck like a little bit of Carlo. I, I he's playing more often, so like I, I he's less likely because I think Grizzly's been the guy who's been scratched more. Yeah, in Boston, which again he's a really good defenseman. I mean, what's even the UFA market like? Klingberg, Klingberg, Severson. Dumba, all guys. I'm not. I think they're gonna be extremely overpaid. Shattenkirk is he gonna retire? Yeah, I, I wouldn't touch Shattenkirk to be honest. Yeah, right. Like Justin Hall, maybe. That's <laughs> one I really want. <laughs> nah, he doesn't really excite me. So it kind of goes in like a like a Dante Fabro been like an interesting pick for me. Yeah, I know he just got resigned, but again, I think that's that that contract right there, that two point four million for one more year screams trade bait. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's like, I think you sign a guy that age for longer term. If you believe in him, I'm still in the Matt, Matt Roy, Matt Roy, Matt Roy. I, I, I game. I'm game for sure. I think he'd be a good fit, especially with LA's deep right side. Yeah. Surprisingly deep side. So I think there's interesting deals like that. You could pull off. For relatively cheap, that also betters your team. Yeah, I mean, offensively, you're not going to get those. You're not going to get a game changer with. I don't think like even with. Uh, it's so hard to predict because I know like there will be. I'm curious who the big RFA or whatever comes on the market because last summer it was Debrinket. This trade deadline it was Meyer. I wonder if there's a guy like that. I obviously off the top of my head I can't think of one. Maybe like Jesper Bratt, but again I think. I think, a deal I think he'll there. stay. Yeah, I think he'll get. I think I'm not. I'm not trying to start anything. I think he'll stay. Yeah, I'm just throwing names. So it got. It kind of like right now. It looks like the Red Wings are just kind of like in the market of like more of those deals, which they 100 should do. Because again, the depth was a big part of this year. Why the Red Wings were still able to play meaningful games. Yeah, and I know it's tough because I think like a lot of fans have kind of turned to the off season last year, and myself included, until I really thought on it more as to why the signings that they made were that happened because in my opinion i think it was still worth it last summer just look at like how important it is to actually like have cider play with better players yeah right like jake wallman bringing out the best in him now i know he wasn't brought in brought in this soft season but still david perron his impact on the team a big a big piece andrew cop being able to not have you don't have Joe Valeno playing second line minutes. Yeah. When he's very much not suited for that. He can stay in a bottom six role and try to thrive. Which we've seen at points this year Joe Valeno's done really well. Yeah. Olimata brought in he 
I honestly would argue that he gave he he got us the return for Phil product. We should like we should send Ali Mata like a chocolates basket or something like flowers, because yeah. the Philip product of last year would have not have gotten that return. Take him on a candlelit dinner. Yeah, something nice, steak, whatever, whatever yeah. he wants. Because Ali Mata really brought the best out in Philip product. You know what? This is back on. We probably should be talking about free agents, but or like uh, right-handed defense in this early. But you know, one guy I wonder about. Okay. This is like way out there, but what about like an Adam Boquist? Like you have David Yerchek jumping in next year. And I think I want to say Boquist has two years left, which would actually be the same expiry as Yerchek. Um interesting one. You have Andrew Peak already there, like on the right side. And Boquist's offensive like capabilities is kind of be might be hidden under like Wierenski and Yurichek. Like what's the yeah, market I... like for him in Columbus? He's a young um, right-handed defenseman, really talented. He that's fits the really... age range. He fits the age range for sure. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Like you can factor in like trading for guys, but I think they, I think the ratings are probably looking like 20, like Michael Rasmussen age or younger. What, what does he have this season? He's like 18 and 30. Like I have him on my fantasy team. Yeah, he's 18 he's, points in 30 games a defenseman. On a really cruddy team. On a really bad team, yeah. He's really good offensively. Like defensively, I know he's got his mar he's got his warts and stuff, but again, yeah. As like as a team like Detroit who could easily fit him in a power play. Yeah. By all means. I think that would be that uh, that one is really interesting to me. And like guys like that are guys you take flyers on. My only thing is like the concern is like um Columbus and, De- and Detroit really don't deal together. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't know, know if it's like the old, up. I don't know if it's the old like central division, like rivalry thing, like Columbus being the little brother, but I I can't really re- recollect besides like the Red Wings um, being part of the David Savard trade and retaining money, which doesn't I mean, mean anything. Th- that's something. I don't know. Something. <laughs> yeah. Something. Sure. But like, I think it's more so Brisebois was the one who facilitated it and was like, Hey Steve, you want to get on this? Maybe. Versus um, our boy Yarmo, which I, I again Yarmo, but all respect to Yarmo, I think Yarmo is a great GM. But yeah, I just find it interesting because they're gonna start getting into some cap trouble, and like I'm sure Boquist might be making a good amount. I think he makes like two, and he's going to be afterwards. Like once him and Yurichek are up, and mm-hmm. they're obviously gonna prioritize Yurichek, and they still have lots of young Does... defensemen coming in. Doesn't like a Mata like Boquist pair sound like kind of like a perfect fit? Yes. As a, like you can kind of let Boquist be who he should be, and then Mata just. This I, is I'm, I'm totally sorry. speculation. I just oh, hundred percent. Like there's nothing be, here. He would be so fun. Like I think of him like playing in like that. Like, they also have that one of uh, the European free agent that's that also came up and did pretty well. Um, um not Bernie. He was another guy. Was another guy. Um, man, he was running their top power play at one point. Number forty-seven, I think it is. I'm. I, this is really bad podcasting again. Blanken. I'm blank. Not. Oh, they also have Blankenberg. Yeah, right. Heck yeah! <laughs> Look at that. Tie into your tie into your Blanken thing, but no. Boquist. Are you talking I'm, about Bernie from Switzerland? Not Bernie. He's not a righty. He was number seven. Bernie's number seventy-five. It was like um, Bjork. Oh, That's Marcus Bjork. Yeah, he was running their top power play unit at one point. 
in the season. It was earlier on, but after Wierenski went down and stuff like that, and they also didn't trust Boquist enough to run it, I guess. Boquist was hurt most of the season. I don't know if that's when that was. Maybe that was it. Maybe he was also hurt. But no, I, I thought of him as well Like another guy. Maybe they trust him to get some more minutes. They also have Gabranson. Yeah, like, man, that's lots they of right-hand right defensemen. Not necessarily the best of the right-hand defensemen, but... And you got to think, like, Juracek's jumping in. You want to get Juracek his cookies. That's what I'm saying. You'd think, like, he's running power play two, and then Wierenski's power play one. And therefore, yeah. that's kind of like uh, odd man out. So, no, I'm I'm on board. He's the 2018 draft. fits. I think he fits the age range the Red Wings would be looking for. Yeah. I'm I'm game for that. So that's kind of what I that's the way I read into Iserman's kind of comparing like the Villy Huso thing. I mean, maybe like you on like a you a pending UFA they want to get like in on, but I feel like they'd only do that for maybe another goalie. But again, I think Huso's yeah. taking the load. I think Huso's taking the load of the starts next year. I could be wrong, but I mean they don't have a backup. I think a backup goalie will be something they'll address in free agency for sure. Yeah, but no, definitely a a telling press conference. And I know like there's a lot of excitement. I did like some of the updates on the prospects and what I did find interesting. Again, I know he was asked about, um, he's asked about, um, Edvinson directly, but he said it'll, Edvinson will dictate whether or not he gets in the lineup, but it's almost like they were speaking more positively about Johansson, which is something we mentioned earlier in the year with Ben Simon's comments. Like, I wonder if Albert gets a taste this year. I wouldn't I wouldn't say no. I, I don't know. It seems like he's pretty liked down there. Yeah. And he also like I know he's been playing the right a little bit, which you pointed out um a couple weeks ago. As him and Edmondson both have been taking reps, so that's something as well to with so many guys out. I, I'm sure you don't want probably don't want to play him his first game as a right hand as a right side defenseman yeah, in the NHL. Not. But still relevant in my opinion. Um also could run the power play right away. I know Albert's not really a power play guy in Grand Rapids, I don't believe. I don't think so, so yeah. So, I, I don't know. He'd be an interesting one to follow. But, again, with with all that, I know I, I, the one that really struck me the most was Eisen's comment about how we're not competing with Tampa Bay, we're not competing with Boston, we're competing, we're competing against Buffalo, we're competing against Ottawa, and we're behind. Yeah. I think that was like a realization from that need, everyone needed to hear a little bit of what the ultimate goal is a little bit and myself included. Cause I was still kind of in the camp of like, you know what? Nick Schmaltz, come on down. Like let's, let's do it. And I, I'm not, I'm still, I could, I could be talking to it in the summer, but I, I still think that's like still. Gathering that's not more. necessarily though. Like yes, gather more assets, but that's not necessarily like taking away from assets. That's asset management. I think Nick Schmaltz would alter your future right away. He's the type of player that fits the age range and he's unlike anyone else that's on the team. That's I wouldn't consider that the same. No, def- I don't I don't think it is. I'm just saying like I think like in terms of high end talent, the Red Wings are still way behind. Yep. And again, that's not really like they've just kind of started draft again, Sider and Raymond are their first Eisman's first two drafts that were near the top of the draft. And they're in the and they're in the lineup. You still have Edvinson. You still have Marco Casper, who have yet to make their debuts. Both guys being high picks. So that's still some more high end town coming. Just hasn't f- completely facilitated yet. And then this and then this draft as well, right? Yeah. 
where it's looking like the Red Wings probably pick somewhere around ten, and then the Islanders pick could be anywhere from like eighteen to thirteen, depending. I'm hoping for the thirteen personally. Yeah, I mean, an, an unprotected twenty twenty four pick would be pretty interesting, though. No kidding. For the island, especially for the Islanders team, that's for sure. So I mean, I I'd be game for that too, but. I I am kind of like looking at that. I'm I'm kind of in favor of like how you know really looking at a draft again. A Reinbacher as you as you're kind of banging the table for right now. Ah uh, yeah, would be tasty. Even though the Redings are deep at D, but it doesn't matter. You can move out other. You can move out other D for assets. Like you said, they they become assets. Is as kind of cold as that sounds. Players can be pick, players that were picks can be flipped for NHL ready players. Yeah. Not against the rules. They're not just prospecting. You get to keep them forever. So, and not all of them, not all your prospects can make the NHL lineup. I mean, still with looking at the Red Wings' D defensive prospect pool right now, Wallinder, Johansson, Edvinson, likely all like, I don't think they all end up in the lineup at the same time. No. I think one would get moved. I would say that's probably right. So you kind of look at it from that way. And you got another guy and, and another, you know, possibly more guys in the future. You're looking again, not, not all, you're not going to have four rookies or four like guys under 20 or under 22 at this point that are in your decor. Highly unlikely. Yeah. Um, That was kind of it for like, stuff. He, I, again, he was really happy to get Dylan Larkin's contract extension done. They had agreed on the term for a long time, but it was just the money that was getting right, which it was widely reported. Um, other prospects he noted, um, Hannes, Soderblom, uh, Mazer as well. He also mentioned that he expects one of t- one of two current Grand Rapids Griffins to challenge for roster spot next year. I don't know if that includes Soderblom, but I would I would imagine Edvinson is definitely the one, or and Johansson are probably guys that he's talking about there. And maybe Soderblom's kind of excluded because he's played twenty one games this year. Yeah, and probably more at some point. Hopefully, hopefully this week. Yeah, as, as people who will be at one of the games, but um, <laughs> <laughs> self, self, selfishly, selfishly, would like to see him. Um, nothing against Alex Chase on, but I would like to see him. Um, yeah. but yeah, I thought it was a again. He 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 does so well to articulate his plan, and of course, his plan is patience, and that's why he has. Well, that's why he has the job. He doesn't get shaken by questions. So, um, he, he says a lot without saying a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. So that led into some lackluster games, which we can talk about quickly here. Um, the Seattle game, which was immediately after the Bertuzzi game, that felt like a roller coaster of emotions and then eventually just slowed down and Redwings couldn't pull it out at the end. As much as Martin Jones tried to let him, they couldn't do it. Yeah. Martin Jones, the dream, the over King. Yeah, the overkick. He was uh, especially bad. He was, was something. The bench rockle should have never happened. Yeah. If you you know as a goalie, I think again, I was never a goalie, but I can assume if it hits the the middle bar of the net, that's an embarrassing goal to let in. Yeah, it's not a nice goal. No, that's for sure. It's one thing to hear the post and it goes in, but to hear like the clunk of the metal bar as it hits the padding, not flattering. That's no, for sure. not at all. But it was a really nice. It was a really nice crossing pass by a cop for sure. 
yeah. find Sherratt streaking down. And I mean, credit to Sherratt getting a puck on net. I, I do think Sherratt has a heavy shot and he does pretty well with finding seams like that through in the offensive zone. Again, the offensive zone has never been his issue. It, he, he does okay there. He does. He manages. He does. He does fine. Just fine. The defensive zone is where he's a, he's quite the opposite. Yeah. It's a, it's all over the place. And the Red Wings ended up being down three one or no, excuse me, three two at the end of the first. I forgot of the what I thought was the Moritz Sider goal ended up being the Adam Ernie tip in, which I yeah, I, I could not tell. Was sad. I could not tell it was a tip at all. It, you know, I feel like Adam Ernie had some had something against the NHL offices, held him at gunpoint. He's like, I need to get the stats up for likely my, my unrestricted year. I need to get an NHL contract. So that was that. Uh, nothing is Adam Ernie. He's the right place, right time. By all means, credit to him. I just would have liked to see Cider score. Um, Berggren also the t- started the 2018 line, which was the the two games that the 2018 line was together. They were easily the Red Wings' best line. Yep. And I think if there are beneficiaries from from this trade deadline, it's it's those three especially. That line as a whole can benefit big time from the extra ice time. Yeah, which which was weird and like my kind of my few critiques of Lalone this year so far is that line was not utilized whatsoever in this game. They played like nine minutes, which I which was not annoying. a thing, which kind of was annoying, especially if a game like, like that. Um, Cause again, they dominated that one shift that Valeno was wheeling around. They used, I mean, Gustav Lindstrom, sweet, sweet little pass from the point. Zadina able to cut through finds Bergen in a soft spot. Great play. And Zadina was hyped too. Fist pumping. It looked like he scored the way he was yeah, celebrating. I, know. I love that. Which is funny. And again, a guy who I've really liked in his game the past, like since he's come back from his injury, I've liked his effort. I completely agree. And I, I would like to see him get rewarded more in the score sheet. Obviously again, I know six overall will be continue to be attached to him, but I mean, look at, look at Rasmussen. I think everyone did a really good job last year of taking away from his, his title of the ninth overall pick and just let him be him. And eventually, I mean, he figured it out. I mean, look at, look at Rass now, like he's pretty well liked in like in terms of around Red Wing fandom. Yeah. And he's still like nowhere near ninth overall caliber, but a solid middle six contributor. Sure. That's what he is. That's not to say that he couldn't ever be. No, I think like his trajectory this year, I mean, was on a good spot. I would have really loved to see him continue out the year, especially probably, he probably would have played some first line minutes. For a yeah. while, so I would have loved to see him get some more time, like with Larkin and stuff, and possibly some more power play time. Because again, he was a really like in junior, like that was what he was drafted for as a power play net front guy. Yeah, that's still that's still the thing. Like, not to switch off as Adina, but Rasmussen's still the one thing I want him to see improve is a little more assertiveness when it comes to taking pucks to the net. I still think he's he's done better with it, but I would like to see him do it more, and I think that could create more offense for him. Yeah. Almost just developing a little bit more hands too, like he's gotten so much better at like just confidence in a hole. His playmaking's gotten a lot better too. His passing, yes, which I know sounds very rudimentary, but he, uh, that's something that he, you couldn't said about you couldn't have said about him like early in his career. Yeah, I mean, look at the Fabry OT setup; like that was a skill play. Yep. So and the Andrew and the Andrew Cop um, setup as well. Against New York, yeah, pretty similar goals there, but 
still same thing driving driving wide in the two on one he's able to pull attention away from away from his streaking guy and finds him so yeah but no I, again back on Zadina I think he could follow a, a similar path if he's able to because again Rasmussen really found it um post post New Year last year he was able to find it in more in more ice time and I'm curious if Zadina can kind of do the same thing be nice to see. I mean, he was he did get first line minutes with uh with Larkin and Raymond on Sunday, and I thought he still looked pretty good. I, again, it was kind of a lackluster game, but I th- I thought he still get I, he's well. One thing you can't take away from Phil Zinas is his ability to hunt down pucks on the back check. Yeah, that's one of his strongest assets. Able to create plays and, and being able to try to turn around, but the issue is him turning around and actually creating offense. Yeah. Um, I would also like if I can have him take Robbie Fabry's spot on the power play that would make my eyes enjoy the game a little bit more yeah that's for sure as much as I love Robbie Fabry he's been quite bad just mm, put it lightly agreed. yes so yeah definitely a, it's <laughs> I I'm excited to see what uh, the rest of the year for Philip Zadina especially out of those three as like Berggren and Valeno have all been we've we've both have kind of raved about those two at points this year yeah so I think Zadina's like deserves some love and as guys who we've kind of admittedly doubted Zadina at points as we, I mean, as we should, he's kind of, it's kind of another chance with, with definitely some very li- limited depth on this team currently. Yeah. Um. Also Jake Wallman continues to be probably my favorite player on the team. Yeah. This goal against Seattle. So much fun. You were blowing up my phone because um, I was on my way to men's league when this goal happened. That goal was disgusting. And I was at a stoplight and I was like, I was, I was going to throw up. I was like, Ugh. so good. It's like, stop it, Jake. That was, that was nasty. It was dirty. Disgusting. No, that was that was so awesome. Again, showing like $3.4 million is just like, why couldn't we have extended that a couple more years? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was a nice goal. But, uh, ultimately, the Red Wings end up losing an OT. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Bjorkstrand it went off of in front there. And Seattle's a good team, but uh, definitely a game you should, probably should have won. Definitely should have won. Tough one, but alas. Um, and then you had probably the two two uglier games this year in New York and Philly back to back. Um, obviously, Huso didn't play the first half of the back to back. With the injury, uh, Hellberg started with Ned backing up. And Hellberg really showed up the first two periods of the game. The third period, he kind of fell apart. Which kind of been a story for him a lot of the year, for sure. Um, not trying to rip on the guy at all. It's just kind of a, again, it's a fact. But there was a first regulation loss for the Red Wings entering the, uh, the third period with a with a lead all season. Which is actually kind of an impressive stat. That is an impressive set for this team currently, and like comparing last year, how they gave up, they they just cratered in the third period most most games, and again they cratered in this third period as well. I mean, so not the best example, but this was the first time in a long time. So props to the, I mean, props to alone and stuff like that. But this game was not not great. Um, Dylan Larkin scored in the power play, which was which is pretty cool. Really nice pass from Cider. But then after that, the, the Islanders were just all over them. And again, it was kind of a shooting gallery. There was yeah. not much going on. The Islanders are a hungry team looking for looking for a wild card spot right now, and they don't have the luxury of games at hand. 
so they've been they're really clawing and they play they play their most important game every single night. So wasn't surprised that the Islanders won, but it was kind of a must win game in terms of like you want to get the Islanders uh out of the wild card spot for for I mean management wise it's management wise it's a must win game I should say not for players yeah Steve Eisman's probably like I I want them to lose that game so I, he they can be out of the wild card spot. But uh, not much else to add from that. Um, Matt Barzell, again, Matt Barzell wasn't playing either. So that was kind of an interesting. Bo Horvat's playing with, uh, I forgot who the first line was. was Anders Lee and someone interesting. Oh, I don't even know. I don't know either. The Islanders lineup's been super interesting all year, especially like of late. Yeah, without Barzell. Yeah. The bars are like Cal Clutterbuck on the top line for a little while. That was hectic. They like to have fun. Give them that. Oh, Pierre Engvall. That's who the that's who was on the top line. Oh yeah, I knew it was someone fun. He played like eighteen minutes. I thought was was which is his high of the season. That's wild. Yeah, I like Pierre Engvall's, but like he's not a top six guy. That's for sure. No. Um, and then they go to Philly the next night. Um, Huso started and he looked dialed in that was not that game 3-1 loss it was not on huso no definitely not especially early on i mean that Faraby save Faraby saved twice the Faraby first part twice. of that game started so hectically like it oh, was, was such so an ugly back game. and forth it was the perfect and... it was a perfect um perfect rebuilding teams game like it was fun it, to watch oh it was extremely fun to watch and then of course philadelphia just kind of took over and they really played well I, I was telling you, like we talked, we were talking on the phone during the game, but I was just telling you, but like Owen Tippett is a player I really liked that game. Yeah, he was playing really good. He looked so. Good. I Philly does have a couple pieces there. They're kind of a mess though, otherwise. Yeah, yeah. and top line Zadina, that was fun. I thought he played well. Otherwise, I mean, the team was pretty lackluster. The cop Perron play to start the game was was a really nice setup off the ice. Um, again, that's why you get Perron and Cop for. Cop really set that up perfectly and prawn quick release. Um, and he's finally starting to score again because he, he went like I, I looked back because I'm like, I feel like he hasn't scored in forever. And before entering this game, and it was he had one goal the past like 19 games, I think. Something that nobody talked about. He hadn't scored since like he hasn't scored since like January, I think, at that point. Yeah. It was something crazy. It, he hadn't had a power play goal either since like December. He had a tough stretch. I mean, he was still putting up like assists and stuff, but in terms of goals, he was not getting anything. Because I think he led the team in goals at one point this season. I think he did too early on in the season. Early on. And then like Kublik really passed him, and then Larkin soared past him. Yeah. Um, but no, I was it was nice to see him continue to get on the board at this point of the season. And he's still like I still think uh Prawn gives it with his physicality and stuff like that, and he still mixes it up. But yeah, he's definitely an important piece. Again, it would take so much. That would be another piece that if that was taken away at the deadline or something, the Red Wing team would really not have a lot of life. Yeah, for sure. But no, I think like, again, I think this game is kind of a letdown in the sense of like, this is Derek. L- this is on kind of a little a little bit to get this team back and playing again, emphasizing the importance of opportunity. I, okay, I was kind of saying how I found it interesting that Eisman was there, but more I think about it, it's more so for that reason. Is looking at the players who's taking advantage of what. Yep. 
and alone should be kind of pre- I know like games like I, you lost a lot and the, I think this big break right now because the Reddings don't play till Wednesday so I think that's important a big break and a little mental reset they, they didn't have practice today as they shouldn't kind of chill out a little bit and get back to it but no guys like I again I've, we referenced the 2018 guys um, I think Lucas Raymond as well needs to kind of step up here a little bit. He's been quiet since returning. Really quiet. Uh, really quiet. I think Kubelik's a really another interesting one, as he kind of found him. He found like at at this point now he's a top six guy for sure, locked in. But otherwise, on a deeper team, he's a fourth line guy. Yep. Prove Take that you're advantage. not. Prove that you're not. Um, Robbie Fabry, for example, as well, kind of a similar situation. Show a little more in that last week. This past week has not been it. Nope. So, as well, like and again, like UFA, it's like Pew Suter, and I think he's done. He's done great, but he's another big guy who could be looking to resign this year if he keeps showing. And also the depth defenseman. Yep. Ag Lindstrom, all guys who are probably on the shopping block. Hellberg as well. I know he referenced it in his um his interview post game of the Islanders game. On how he views every game is super important, and how he's he realizes he's not, he's an unrestricted free agent, and he he wants a contract. So, what I didn't like during that interview, I don't know if you noticed, I don't know if you saw that interview. I did not see it. So he was wearing a Red Wing sweatshirt, and if you look closely in the shoulder, it was number thirty nine in the sweatshirt, not forty five. Hmm. <laughs> so they did not. They I guess Nelkovich just loses his sweatshirts. As soon as he gets sent down, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know we were scrapping for $60 hoodies, but all right. Love to see it. I was very interested. I'm like, come on. They can't even give it a, get, get his own hoodie. Crazy. But um, no, I thought that would be, it was just a little funny for sure. But uh, yeah, definitely interesting. Uh, I, I should also mention, I thought Chase on actually looked pretty good in the two games he played. Quiet. I thought he was effective in terms of like being just a fourth line guy. Um. He plays in the power play. Uh, get, they love to work at the right the, with that right-handed net front guy. Yeah, which with the current setup and Chase on gives you that. However, you feel about that. Yeah, however, you, I mean, again, I don't. Whatever. Happy at this times. point, I'm like, he's another guy too. I I did like the interview with Trevor Thompson. He was really emotional about getting back in the NHL and playing for an original six team. So I think that's super cool. Yeah, and goes into me saying he got. He got rewarded with the one year one way contract, and I makes that makes me think he's gonna be up on the roster the rest of the year. If I were to read into that, probably. I don't think you're gonna wave a guy at this point for no reason. So yeah, I'm. I would expect to see him for the foreseeable future at least. So try to embrace him. I think as fans, and I think, I think we'll you'll enjoy a little more. That's for sure. I hope he I hope he gets one under him pretty quickly. Um. I think we can move into like the rest of the deadline. I don't know. Did you like it? Like what other deals did you kind of thought were value picks? So maybe we could pick winners, losers kind of thing. I actually really like the Klingberg deal to Minnesota. That one I was going to bring up too. Like at, at terms of deadline deal, that was a good value pick for pick up um, for Minnesota. I think he played with Merrill last game. I think he was a plus three, which is not Klingberg. <laughs> not this season anyway. No, exactly. Um, Speaking of good fits, Marilyn Klingberg is definitely a big it's a good fit stylistically. Yeah, it is. It'd be like Klingberg and Mata. Hold on. Is that a is that a callback? We so we're saying Klingberg to Detroit confirmed? Confirmed. 
Per Darren. Um, yeah, per Darren. No, I, I agree. I'm with you on that one for sure. I liked that pickup. Um, I'm trying to like, think of the other significant deals that happened at trade deadline. I there was not many. There was not many. Sunquist went for a fourth. I get I, fine. I, I get like I get Minnesota, but he's playing the third line for Minnesota, which I find interesting. Very because uh Ryan Reeves is not gonna play third line, right? So yeah. Minnesota is such a weird team. They've been playing really good of late, but also their their depth just sucks. On offense, Kaprizov's anyway. a stud. The Kaprizov's a stud, but like their their offense sucks. So is Boldy. He's a stud Boldy's, too. Okay, excuse me. Boldy and Zuccarello are also really good. Yep. Erickson Eck. Erickson has been very good. Erickson Eck's a good that second contract. Line. Is so good. Yeah, it's a great contract. I like Erickson Eck a lot, but otherwise, wise, otherwise four yes. Points. Otherwise, yes. Their defense, I'm I'm a fan of. I, I feel Augustus's been insane. Yeah, randomly. Like on a right ball, a right fuck field. Yeah. Another funny trade was the the Richie brothers trade. Yeah, it was just pointless. Kind of, yeah. I think they just did, I think they just did it just because. I think Calgary just did it just to do something. They got Troy Stetcher as well. Yeah. So shout shout out the boy. I he does not strike me as someone Daryl Sutter will like at all. So uh, unfortunate, unfortunate for Troy Stetcher. Yeah, because I'm sure he was having a good old time in in Arizona, just enjoying the sun and playing heavy minutes and playing heavy minutes. So, but yeah, and then uh, Nick Ritchie for Brett, and I guess Calgary's been really interested in Nick Ritchie for a while. Why? I don't, I don't know <laughs> why. I couldn't tell you. Um, he's pretty even this year on like being like a guy who plays a lot of minutes in Arizona. He's been pretty whatever. Meh. Yeah. Calgary just continues to be pretty meh. I think at this point, like statistically, I think for money puck, I think they're like 30% to make the playoffs and they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. No, I think I was listening to is someone doing the math today. It'd be like um, a team like Winnipeg. Who's in a wild card spot right now. would have to go like 10 and nine, the end of the season and uh, and Calgary would have to go 14 and five. Yeah. Yikes. When you put it in that aspect, like it'd be pretty unrealistic. I don't think Winnipeg's going that going 500. No, I don't think so. And Calgary can't just go on a heater. So definitely, it, it, they're such a weird team as well because they bought big. I'm curious what they do at the draft because Brad Trigger Living was pretty all over the place at last last summer. I'm curious if like a last Lindholm goes or something like that. Yeah. No Hannafin, another guy who's a stud, but uh, definitely a weird team. For sure. I'm trying to like who else got traded at the deadline. There was really nothing. And I was on live stream all day. There was nothing really significant. That's for sure. No, I guess we can move into like your who your biggest winners could be buyers, could be sellers. And who are your biggest losers? Man, it's biggest winners. And probably I would put Boston right up there. Um, Florida's a loser. Philly's a loser. What did Montreal do? Nothing. They couldn't really do much. Love. Look at their roster. Yeah, I guess. Um, other losers. I can't really think of any other losers. Arizona. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a actually that's an underrated one that I haven't really heard people talk about. That second deal was so bad. That's an underrated loser for sure. I'm I'm with you on that. You've convinced me. That's an that's an underrated loser for sure. Pittsburgh's a loser. Oh, Dolly, they're a loser. That's right. Getting Ottawa's, getting Ottawa's a winner. Dub for sure. Big deal that fits into their future. Um, Dub W. Rangers are a big winner. Yep. Boston's a winner. I think I already said that. Yeah. Carolina, I'm not sure about yet. They seem smarter than most people. That's what I'm thinking. They always, you think they zig, they'll zag kind of thing. Like, I was pretty firmly, like, if you had asked me, like, yesterday, I would have said Carolina's a loser, but now I think about it more. We had Cock and Yammy recently. Yeah. He's been playing great. Five points against Tampa. Yeah. Tara Vinan's been really good. Like, Pugliarvi's not even in yet. He can come in. Um, man, like, and Goss's bear has been really good. Thinking it was cheap. I would have liked them to make a big splash. But again, I guess, like, according to reports, they offered a bigger package than the Devils did for Meyer. But I guess the Devils, or the, excuse me, the Sharks valued more pieces rather than better pieces, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Not at all. So I'm curious who they offered. I'm guessing like Jack Drury or something. Which would have been a good pickup, for sure. But um, sneaky yeah. another big sneaky winner, uh, Washington. Ooh, good one. Yeah, getting Sandine there is big. Really been- good bet on Sandine. Yeah, and just knowing when to sell, which is a big thing. I thought the Blues, the Blues, the Caps, the Preds, and the Red Wings all did really well with like knowing when to pull out. Like they're like, yeah. okay, we're not, we're not getting, we're not getting there. And just cashing out. I mean, Predators, it's hard not to throw them in there. I think he had a re- Sandina is a playmaker in his first game, too. Yeah, something like he that. He did. He did. He had three assists. Because the Preds, eight, I mean, they got they game. got one of the Oilers' best prospects in Reed Schaefer in the deal. And also Tyson Berry, who they can either A, keep, or B, or I think it's more likely flip. Because you already have Roman Yossi running a top power play unit. Yeah, which also, he's an interesting player. Barry. Yeah. yeah. Power play merchant. Yep. And a really popular guy in Edmonton. So I was curious. I was curious why they ended up making that move for sure. Yeah. Um, or I throw the Red Wings in the sellers as well at St. Louis. Um, in terms of like buyers, Boston's easily the biggest winner for sure. I'd also throw Toronto in. I liked Toronto's moves. Yeah. Jake McCabe's a good player. I liked Ryan O'Reilly a lot. So. Again, Sam Lafferty's whatever. I think he's a fourth line guy that's been extremely overhyped. But who knows? Maybe he does really well in the playoffs. Um, yeah. I think Noel Charlie's a pretty good fourth liner as well. So I don't know. I like I like the bets there. I think yeah, Boston. Of course, I think Boston's easily the biggest winner though. Orloff, who just got first star of the week, and is is it easily is a top pair defenseman on most teams, and he's your number three. Yeah, sick. Good for you. Bertuzzi, who's going to be a middle six guy when he's he probably could play in a, a complement of top line pretty well. Yep. Any other situation, good for you. That's awesome. So yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a the buyers I think for the most part did pretty well in terms of like except for like Pittsburgh, they bought poorly. So yeah, definitely a it was a fun week. That's probably like one of the most fun deadline weeks. Unrecent memory, anyway. That was a lot of fun. The deadline day was definitely disappointing. Yeah, for sure. I saw something like uh, there was this. I was on thirty two thoughts again, but it was like this general manager throughout the uh, 
threw a suggestion for maximum chaos at deadlines, it'd be like you can if you have had players in your roster for more than three seasons, you can choose to like um I think it's something like either structure their salary hits, salary cap hits, or they like they they turn into become half automatically. And that would create more trades of like better players because then it would incentivize teams like the Coyotes not to just flip players, yeah, but to keep good players and then actually make things interesting. And they're automatically like they're going to teams that already have retention, like half something like that. It was I'm I'm butchering it a little bit, but it was something along those lines. Be interesting. As an NHL general manager who suggested it, and he said he basically was like joking, saying like, "Do not attach my name to this because this would cause chaos." (laughs) But I would be it'd be fun. That would be a fun one. For sure, that would be interesting. Yeah, that would be like Robbie Fabry, for example, would be a guy that would fit like the Red Wings, and like he like think he go like two million, yeah, versus four. Be an interesting pickup. But yeah, um, I think I'll do it for this one. I don't really have much else. Um, big week for us. You're gonna see the gonna see the Red Wings in TD Garden. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, at this point, maybe a little less fun. Than we maybe thought when we first bought the tickets. Yeah, <laughs> we'll still enjoy it. Um, make sure I mean the games are on. Uh, make sure everyone sign up with ESPN Plus uh, inside the rink dot com slash ESPN, and a lot of uh, I think the that game we're going to be at is going to be an ESPN Plus game. So make sure everyone signs up with that, and you're able to watch it for this week. Uh, lots of good stuff coming on. I think uh, there's plenty of games this week that are actually going to be on ESPN plus that are like the ESPN plus specials. So check those out. And yeah. uh, Thank you everyone for tuning in.